Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Try to stay locked in. In St. John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, I know these verses aren't on the screen for you today because our IT people took took our hard drive home, but I'm going to read some more scripture for you. Follow along. If you have your Bible, Matthew 21 is going to be our main text this morning. I read John's gospel as a setup, but in Matthew 21, verse 1, hear what the word of the Lord says in verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. You will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them here. If anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately send them. This was done to fulfill the prophecy. Tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He's humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus said. They brought the animals to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and the others cut branches from the trees, and spread them on the road. He was in the center of the procession, and all the crowds around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this? They asked. In verse 11 of Matthew 21, the Bible says, And the crowds replied, It is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Jesus is Coming. I don't know, if y'all been here more than three times, you know I'd have normally already turned my back to you and been praying to God. But I I just want to say it to you again. If you didn't hear it, Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Pray with me, God. Thank you for your promise, God. Thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your spirit that leads us into all truth. And I pray now by your spirit that you would anoint me to speak the words that you would have me to say. God, anoint my mouth and my mind. Touch my back. Give me strength, God, to teach your word today. Speak to us is my prayer from your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Today all over the world, uh, well, I normally say all over the world. I guess still all over the world in pockets. People are gathering together in churches uh, all all across homes and and, and internet streaming and drive-in church and uh, traditional church to celebrate what we commonly refer to as Palm Sunday. Palm like the palm 
branch. It's also called the Sunday of the Passion. It's the last Sunday during the Lent season. It's the beginning of the Passion Week, which is the last week of the earthly ministry of the life of the Lord Jesus when he was on this planet. Whole Holy Week, Passion Week, it's, it's, that, it's that week that starts with this event right here, his what theologians call triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It's, he's, he's switching gears now, and it's one of the things I love about this story so much. It, it, it's a change. It, it, it's, it's a difference maker, and it starts with this entry into Jerusalem, and the Passion Week ends with his death burial on Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday, and just not even in my notes, but it just hit me in my spirit. I'm going to watch it today, and I, if, if you don't watch it, I might play it next Sunday, so come back next Sunday and watch it all week long and see if I don't show it again next Sunday. I want you to pull up on YouTube. It's Friday. How many of y'all seen it's Friday, but Sunday's coming? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You ought to, you ought to live your life whenever you're having a down moment. You ought, to, you ought to just think in your mind, it's only Friday, but Sunday's coming. Whenever you're going through some type of struggle, you ought to realize that, that, that there is resurrection power living inside of you. And this, this week of the passion begins today around the whole world. People are even spreading palm branches out and waving palm branches. But Palm Sunday commemorates this event that we just read in John's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel where people cut down palm branches, uh, laid them in, in the path for Jesus, and the donkey he was riding on laid their uh, garments down for Jesus, rolled out the red carpet for Jesus. But this week of the Passion, this, this, these next few days between now and Easter Sunday, this week is so important. It, it, it's so detailed that the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they devote one-third of of all of their information to this one week, of, of all the life that they could have talked about, one-third of their information is dedicated just to these seven days. And it's so important in the doctrine, the theological doctrine uh, of John, that John devotes its entire last half just to the specificity of the events of this week. This week's important. Say important. This week is important in Scripture, so it ought to be important to us. We see in the story Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, and this is fulfillment of prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. The Scripture says, Rejoice greatly, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. Now, this is why, and hear this well, this is why people like uh, Josh McDowell and other former atheists who are very intelligent, studious, intellectually driven type people, this is why every single one of those type people that ever really looked at the claim of Christ, the cause of Christ, the name of Christ, came away from their study 
believing in the resurrection of Christ. Believing that Jesus Christ was not just born and he died like everybody else. Because one of the things that is so compelling to the truth that Jesus was the Son of God who lived, died, was buried, and rose again are the hundreds of prophecies spoken about him hundreds and thousands of years prior. Exact detailing prophecies that he could not have manufactured from, from his birthplace to how he would die, from his birthplace to, to the fact that he wouldn't even have his bones broken when the way people died from crucifixion was to have their legs broken so they no longer could push up to draw oxygen into their lungs. The, the prophetic Words spoken about who this Jesus is are so detailed and he had to. To be a qualified Savior, he had to. To be a qualified Messiah, he had to. To be the very God incarnate on the earth, he had to come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Now, that might not sound too crazy to y'all until you realize Jewish people didn't touch donkey. This is like saying that Farrakhan was going to become best friends with the Grand Wizard and they were going to start dating in some type of biracial uh, uh, gay love. It's just not likely to happen. Y'all not following me. Y'all don't know who Farrakhan is. Okay. Uh, or the Grand Wizard. The, 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 the fact that a Jew would be riding on a donkey is, is beyond conception. Uh, it is not conceivable. And it's so specific, they, they even went further. Not just the donkey, but the coat of a donkey. I want you to know we have a qualified Savior. Jesus met every prophecy ever spoken about him uh, in the Old Testament, and he will continue to fulfill every word that was ever spoken about him. But as we see him coming into Jerusalem, I'll give you some backdrop. I'll give you some context. He's been doing ministry now for a little over three years. He has been dipping in and dipping out of cities. He's been going in and going out. He's been stepping into cities and then retreating to the mountain. He's been stepping into cities and then retreating to the side of the Sea of Galilee. He's been doing ministry and he's been Retreating, but now he makes a change. Say change. He makes a change where he actually comes in and he does something different. When he comes in this time, the people greeted him as though he were an earthly king. They, they greeted him like they would greet a king that was just a human being, rolling out the red carpet, laying garments down, cutting down branches, and cheering for him. This is typical of a procession for any royal to come in. Jesus had never allowed the people to do that for him before, but they shouted Hosanna, which means save us. They, they didn't understand what Jesus was coming to save them from, but they just wanted deliverance. They were oppressed. They were living under an oppressive government. They were enslaved by an oppressive Roman dictatorship that was treating them cruelly and harshly, and they knew the Bible promised that God would send them a deliverer and he would deliver them uh, and, and reestablish the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. And that's what they wanted. They were the people on the bottom and they were ready to be the people on the top. And so when Jesus comes through, they're cheering, save us, save us. That's what Hosanna means. Save us, save us. You're our deliverer. You're our, de save us. And here's what, what was going on. The same thing then as it is now. 
They wanted saving. They knew they needed saving, but they didn't really understand the type saving that Jesus came to do. I was witnessing to somebody this week, and and they hit me, and I've had this question asked to me, you know, thousands of times uh, over the decades. Well, if God, if this God you talk about is real, why does he allow babies to suffer? If this God you talk about is real, why are we having a coronavirus? And I told him, and you need to understand this, there's nothing in this Bible that says there won't be a coronavirus. There's nothing in this Bible that says you won't get some type of car wreck. There's nothing in this Bible that says you'll never face any pain or any pathos. You see, I don't, I'm not even asking God to save me from anything that's on this earth. That's all temporary. Let me ask you this morning. If you had the choice to let God save you out of your pain that you're in right now or save you from ever from your sins in heaven, which one would you take? The salvation that God is here to give us is not from every temporary pain that might come your way. Don't be one of those people. Why would God let us suffer? Listen, we've done so much sin, it's a miracle God don't kill us all. We've tested God's grace. We've stomped on the blood of Jesus Christ so much as Christians that it's a wonder that life isn't even worse. But they're crying out for God to save them. And we got people crying out now. They want salvation. They don't want salvation from a holy and a righteous God. They want salvation from economic distress. They don't want salvation uh, and righteousness from a holy God. They want salvation from political oppression, from cultural oppression, from racial oppression, from, from, from physical sickness, from ailments that are temporary and passing. And I want you, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to understand that eternal salvation is worth having no matter what your current situation looks like. And I hope that you have this eternal salvation that is promised through faith in Jesus Christ. This morning I want to talk to you, though, about preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord. There's a preparation that has to be made. Now, I'm not talking about his second coming. We talk about that theologically, the, the fact that one day Jesus is going to come back and take us all out of here. That's, that's the hope of the church. That's glorious. That's great news. Uh, but that also can uh, become pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. What we need is help in the nasty now and now. Yes, we need Jesus to come back and take us off this planet, but we can't just wait for that to happen. We need Jesus to come back today and get us safely to our homes. We need Jesus to show up in our relationships. We need Jesus to show up in our communities. And the Bible says we have these stories for our example and that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So if we see what they did then and we do what they did then, if we do what they did, we can have what they had. And they made the proper preparation for his coming and he showed up. I want to tell you this. I want God to show up in your life. I want God to show up in my life. I want God to show up in my life spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, and emotionally. On all five realms that we deal with as human beings, God can show up. How awesome would it be if God showed up in your relationships? How awesome would it be if God showed up in your finances? How awesome would it be if God showed up? But if you want that to happen, you have to prepare. Say prepare. In our text, we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And I want us to notice some key things about this passage today so we can do what they did, so we can prepare for his entrance. The first thing that I want you to notice, and here's where the change is. Here's where the switch is. The first thing I want you to notice is he did not tell them not to call him king. 
Now, yes, that, that is, that's a double negative, so you got to follow that closely, English majors. He did not tell them not to call him king. Now, if he did not tell them not to call him king, is there, is there a different way we can word that? He said, call me king. He did not tell them not to call him king. Now, now why, why do I say it? That way, because for the entire three plus years that Jesus has been doing ministry, he told them, shh. For the entire three plus years that Jesus has been doing ministry, he said, go your way and tell no one. For the entire three plus years that Jesus has been doing phenomenal, miraculous things, he's been doing it on the low. But this is different. This is, this is, this is a, a time shift. This is a, that period has ended and there is a new period now. He did all that he did and told them, keep it quiet, keep it quiet. Don't noise it abroad. Keep it quiet. But now it's different. Uh, li- li- listen to some of the things he did in, in the three years preceding this. Some of y'all know the story about the leper in Matthew 8. Verse 2 says, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. He said, see that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He didn't tell this leper, shout it from the mountaintop. He didn't tell this leper, go tell everybody. He told this leper, shh, keep this to yourself. See that you don't tell anybody about this, but, but go, go, go give a gift to the priest in the temple. The blind man in Mark 8, 25 says, then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was, his, he was restored, and he saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Just like he told the leper, he tells the blind man, shh. Because let me tell you something, if you were blind and somebody healed you and gave you your sight back, wouldn't you do it, Kairana? You'd be telling everybody, woo, your girl can see, woo, I got my eyes back, woo, y'all ain't going to believe this. You'd be telling everybody, but Jesus said, shh. Don't do that. Same thing he did for the leper. Not only them, but for the little, ra- little girl he raised from the dead in Mark 5, 42. The Bible says immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should show it. And he said that something should be given her to eat. Now, if you got a child in your house, a little 12-year-old girl, see, because after 12, they, they ain't as cute anymore. I don't know I haven't had any, but Kyrana tell the truth. You can believe that. Ain't that right, ain't that right Jimmy? They'll just tell the truth. See, when, when they're little, they're mom and daddy's little girl, right? Now, I've heard this. I don't have girls. God bless me with all boys, and I'm thankful for that. But I don't have girls. I don't know how to comb hair, so that's, that's out. But I, I've heard mothers tell me, when that girl turned about 13, Pastor, about 14 years old, she thought she was grown. She thought she was going to tell me what to do. Like she was the woman living in the house. Uh, so I ain't talking about your 13-year-old girl. I'm talking about your 12 and under girl right here. When you, when you had your little girl, your little, and, and she was dead, and this faith healer preacher 
comes along and brings her back to life. Now, your first response isn't, cool, bet that. Let's take a nap. Your first response is to kick your flip-flops off and run around the block screaming. And what did Jesus say? Shh. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. There was a time when Jesus flew beneath the radar. There was a time where Jesus would do things and say, don't make a big deal out of it. He didn't want to be swamped with crowds. That's why he told them, shh. He didn't want to be overrun to where he couldn't move in and move out. So he would do things and he would tell them, make sure you don't make big noise out of this. And some of them did and some of them didn't. But this time of flying beneath the radar ended on this day. It ended. This was the beginning of a shift for Jesus Christ and for the people for whom he has done things. This is a paradigm changer. Jesus is no longer telling them, and he certainly is not telling us to hide what he's done in our life. I, I love the old chorus that says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. You got to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. You ought to be willing. See, we're not living under the shh. Jesus, we're not living under the do it on the download, Jesus. We're not living under the be sure you tell no man, Jesus. We're living under the give me a parade and shout my name, Jesus. We're living under tell everybody what you've seen, Jesus. We're living under if I did something for you, you better tell somebody. Jesus, this, this is a change. This is a change. So things, things are, are, are being different now. During this procession, they are cheering for him and he's not telling them to stop. And I want us to get what they got. And if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. What they got was Jesus showing up big time. What they got was closeness to Jesus. What they got was his presence. And I want to tell you something, not, not his gifts, not that type of presence, but his presence his, his, his being there in the situation with you. And if you've never really experienced the presence of the Lord, then you need to make sure that you definitely start doing these four things that I'm about to show you in the Scripture. And if you have ever experienced the presence of the Lord, I know one thing about you. You're desperate for it again. You're desperate for it again. I've been telling y'all for years, some of y'all still haven't got there. I'm praying that you get there one day. I'm praying that one day you'll have one of those moments like I've told you about before. I'm praying that one day you'll just be riding down the road singing your song. And then you'll just be singing, the presence of the Lord is here. And you'll just be, I can feel it in the atmosphere. You'll just be singing along and then all of a sudden it just starts getting you. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, some of y'all, it, it just starts Sitting on you. It, it just sort of starts weighing you down. Glory means weight. And the glory of the Lord just begins to, and, and you just start having tears come. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are no pretty people in the presence of the Lord. Until you cry ugly for Jesus, you really haven't been in his presence. Until you snot slob tears, hurting, crying, and you got to pull off the side of the road and just put both hands. You might even have to get out of your car and get on your knees till the state trooper think you're having a heart attack or something. I want the presence of God because one second in the presence of God is better than everything else. This is why we seek him. 
This is why so many church people are miserable, though. This is why so many people come to church every time the doors are open and they wonder, why do I keep doing this? Why, why do we give all our money to the Lord? Why do we come clean to church house? Why do we meet up here all the time? Because we know that if we come, we just might be there that day he shows up. See, I tell you, don't be like Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas missed one church service in the whole Bible. One. Doubting Thomas was at every meeting that they ever had except one. And that one time that he wasn't there in that upper room, Jesus showed up. And that's why I tell you, you know your luck. Don't lay out. The time you miss might be the time to glory. Listen, we're going to be in here one day. I prophesy this to you for real. We're going to be, and you know I don't use that term lightly, and every time I've ever said that from this pulpit, it has come true within a time frame. I prophesy you to you for real. One day we are going to be in this church, and the presence of God is going to set down on us, and the glory of God is going to overwhelm us, and we are going to be across. Listen, we've seen it. We've seen it, and I want to see it again. And I want you to see it again. I don't want your Christianity to be just rules and regulations. Sure, there are rules. Sure, There's rules for every relationship. But I want it to be a close, intimate, abiding relationship where he shows up. Where he shows up. And where you are overwhelmed with who he is and the fact that he'd spend a moment with you. They got that. Let's look at the four things they did. Number one, they laid something down. Look at somebody and say, lay it down. This is talking about surrender. This is talking about giving stuff up. This is talking about doing the right thing. Matthew 21, 8 in our text says that a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Now, remember the story. Here comes Jesus riding on a donkey. We've never seen Jesus ride on a donkey in none of these Gospels. Well, Jews didn't mess with donkeys. They were considered unclean animals. And none of these Jews ran away from this guy riding on a donkey, and they still shouted for him. As their king, he's riding on a donkey, not a horse, not a chariot, not something magnificent, but something lowly. But still, these Jewish people, they took their coats off and they laid them down before him. Listen, some people, now some of y'all remember, I don't know if it was movies, cartoons, whatever it was. I I got it stuck in my mind as a child, but I went to uh, kindergarten through second grade in England. People ask me where I get my deep accent from. I always tell them England. Uh, or I tell them, because, uh, you know, I, 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 was, I was there. But, or I'll tell them just to mess with them uh, when they say, man, you sound so country. Where'd, where'd you get that country accent? Well, you from Georgia, Tennessee? And I blow their mind with the factual truth. It says it on my birth certificate. I'll show it to you if you want to see it. San Diego, California. Yeah, that's where I got my accent from, San Diego, California. But how do we get on accents? I don't know. Thank you. It might see. I love y'all, cause I'm old and and I need your help. But it might have been something I saw in England because uh, my my image of it is is like a prince taking off his his jacket and laying it down in front of the lady in the chariot. So instead of stepping in the puddle, she steps on his coat. Now let me tell you something. This is a Luciano Visconti custom shirt. I'm not laying this down in the dirt for you to step on it. Okay? That's not my custom. That's not my culture. I give you money to go buy you one, but I mean that's a different story. But this you these old 
stories about how the gentleman would lay his coat down, and it was a show of honor. Say honor. But what it, what it, what it is for us beyond anything, because we want to make proper application of this, is they were giving up what they had. Because some of these people in this very poor community, all they had was the clothes on their back. They didn't have much more than that. And how many of y'all know you, you've heard the expression, uh, the clothes make the man? And we live in a day and age where if you dress fly, people think you got it going on. I'm going to tell you something. I know people living in shacks wearing sweet gear. And that's just bad use of money. I know, I know, people, I know people renting shacks and, and driving big. That's just a bad use of money. But back then to this day, people value their clothing. People value their clothing, and they took what they had. And for most of these people, the most expensive thing they owned was the garment that they had that they laid down in front of him. They surrendered the very best of what they had just for him to ride across it. Some people think they spread it down there so his feet wouldn't get dirty on that dusty Jerusalem road. But he wasn't walking. He was riding on a donkey. So they weren't even trying to keep his feet clean. They were just trying to give to him what they could. They were surrendering the best of what they had. They laid something down. It, it symbolizes the laying down of the pride, their possessions, their power. Uh, it, 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 it's what God wants us to do today, to lay something down for him, to surrender your life to him, to give him your very best. If I had time this morning, I didn't think all y'all would walk out. I, I, I would just go around the room and I would ask you, tell everybody what you've laid down for the Lord. Tell everybody what, what, what you gave up for God. Tell everybody how, what you give to God. And I hope that you'd have something to say when the microphone came your way. Because the reality is, if you want Jesus to show up in your situation, if you want Jesus to show up in your life, if you want Jesus to show up in your home and on your job, you're going to have to lay something down. The second thing they did is they cut something down. Say cut. See, the first thing symbolizes surrender. This symbolizes work and work is something that God gave Adam to do before the fall of man work is a blessing to be able to be strong and fit and able to work and these people cut down branches off palm trees now I'm gonna tell you something as somebody who owned my own lawn maintenance company for uh, a little over 11 years um, I started and sold successfully for a profit three different lawn companies during that period of time and I have cut down a lot of palm branches. Anybody ever cut down a palm branch? Or even these little fake palm branches that grow in the woods? Uh, palmetto branches that people call palm branches? Uh, I've cut down a lot of branches, and it is no fun. You'd, be, you'd rather cut down a branch off an oak tree than cut down a palm branch. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This, this, is, this isn't easy. This isn't something that happens quickly. You're not just walking up there. You know, you can trim some branches. Some of y'all... Uh, horticulturalists, y'all know you can walk up to some branches and just grab it, twist it, snap it down, and that's it. You, you've pruned that branch right off. You can do, you're not doing that to a palm branch. Lou Ferrigno, y'all don't know who that is. The Incredible Hulk is not doing that to a palm branch. The, you you got to put some real pressure into them. So they cut these palm branches down, and I've told you before that there's a lot of commentary in the Bible about why they cut down palm branches. Palm branches weren't the only type of branches they had access to. Uh, some people say that the palm branch signifies 
power in the Bible, and it does. Uh, some, some people say that palm branches signify righteousness in the Bible, and it does. Palm, some people say that palm branches were the national symbol of the government at that time, and it was. Uh, some, some people say that their money had a palm branch stamped on it, and it did. So we could say from all of that truth that they were giving up their allegiance to Rome, they were giving up their love of money, they were giving up uh, their, their, their culture all for their righteous deliverer. But I don't want us to focus on the, the branch, the palm branch, and what it might signify. I want us to focus on the cutting. Say cutting. Because cutting's hard work. And listen, this, this scares off all weak believers and all fake believers. The Bible calls them false brethren. This scares off all false brethren. If you ever really want to be who God wants you to be, listen, it's hard work. Can't grow a big church like that, Elder Jimmy. You can't grow, you can't grow a big church telling people if you want to serve God, it's hard work. But how many of y'all ever served God and have come to the conclusion, this ain't for wimps. When I see that bumper sticker on the back of people's trucks and cars, real men pray, I'm thinking, man, I hope you know. I hope you know how hard this thing is because if you ever really want to get in this thing, you're going to understand it takes effort to do everything that God has called you to do. But they cut these branches down. That signifies work to me. And if you want God to show up in your life, not only do you have to lay something down, you got to give up your pride and your possessions and your power, but you also got to do some work. If I started with Deacon West right now and I just went all the way around the room on both sides and I said, okay, tell me the work that you do for the Lord. Oh, I read my Bible. That's not work. That's joy. Oh, I, I have a quiet time with the Lord. That's not work. That's privilege. Oh, I pray to, to God. That, that's not work. That's relationship. I'm saying what work do you do? I tell you what, everybody that serves in our food and clothing ministry could tell you. Because that's work. That's real work. Up here on Thursday, getting it ready. Up here on Friday, getting it ready. Up here on Saturday, getting it Listen, I'm asking several of y'all, men, women, young people, uh, if you can, start volunteering one Saturday a month, one Saturday a quarter, one Saturday a year, a Saturday every 10 years. How about that? Because it's going to get hotter out there. Man, I remember last summer I came up here. I try to stay away because if I come, I'm going to pick up something. And if I pick up something, it's not going to be good because I broke my back twice and my neck once in the last seven years. And I'm still dealing with a lot of pain and bad recovery. Uh, and I came up here. I know Rick remembers it. Me and, me and Rick were joking around. And, and I started, I said, I just got tired of watching. Rick was sweating like a whore in church. I mean, this brother had, he had, just, I didn't mean to say that. He had. Edit that off the tape. He had sweat. He, listen, he was sweating for his Lord. He was carrying them boxes in this Florida heat. And I saw all these people working hard, and I'm standing there. And I thought, 215-pound grown man. I snatched that box up. I picked, and everybody's like, don't do it. Because they know I mess around and pick up a box of Kleenex. I'm, I'm flat on my back for a, for a month. And they, they said, don't. And that's why I try to stay away but I'm telling you this, if you're physically able, man, woman, boy, girl, you ought to come up here one Saturday a month, one Saturday a year, carry a box from the, from the B building out to somebody's car and do some work. Amen? amen? Six people said amen. Let me keep moving. Third thing they did, they lifted something up. Say lift. And in verse 9 of our text of Matthew 21, the Bible says, 
Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the crowds around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Anybody realize, anybody understand, anybody want to take a calculated guess as, as to what they were lifting? Their voices. They were lifting up their voices to magnify the Lord. They were lifting up their voices to shout to him. Some of y'all let y'all's personality get in the way of your spirituality. And here's the thing. Whether you're studious or not, God has called you to study the Bible. Whether you're outgoing or not, God has called you to be friendly. Whether you are loud or not, God has called you to shout. The Bible says shout to the Lord. Now, see, a lot, most of this stuff, a lot of this stuff works in my favor. Me and my boys, you, 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 you just wouldn't want to be in my house that much. Uh, we, we just shout for no reason. We just shout anything. We, we just shout, I mean, we just be hollering a, a player's name for no reason. And, and what, what happened? Nothing. I just wanted to scream. And, but, so, but whether it works in your personality or not, you need to understand God wants you to be loud for him. Y'all know, know the, the example I'm about to give y'all because it sticks in my mind. All these sophisticated, sedity, sit there, never moved, never emotional church people want to act all dignified in front of God and say, well, Pastor Scott, that's just not my personality. I'm just a little more reserved than that. I don't get all wired up i'm thinking okay i want i want to show up to middleburg high school when 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 your little bubba neck is about to walk across be the first person in your family's history to ever get a high school diploma and they and they tell you consistently y'all been to some of these graduations the first thing the middle thing the last thing and every three minutes they tell you hold your applause we want everyone to hear their name let's hold your applause and celebrate all our graduates to the end Listen, I have come to realize this is not a cultural thing. Now, as a, as a pastor who by design, when we started this church, was told by God that we would be a multiracial church. As a, as a pastor of a multiracial church with a multiracial staff surrounded in a multiracial world, um, I know some things are cultural. I, I know it's harder for white people to sit in church for an hour and 12 minutes than it is for black people. Anybody believe that? Anybody? You don't believe me? Go to AME Church up the street. They start at 11 o'clock. They're going to get out at 3.30. Ain't no white people sitting in there. I promise you that. Some things are just cultural. But I have found that some things are cross-cultural. And all these Sadiddy folk, whether you're a shouter or a non-shouter, I've seen them. Let, let, let Mr. and Mrs. Sadiddy be sitting there. And after they already been told, please hold all your applause. And I was, I was there. I was a Middleburg graduation. I finally had to stop going to graduations because a couple of people were like, you, you went to someone's graduation. You didn't come to mine. Okay, so I don't go to nobody's. I had to stop going to birthday parties. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Oh, you went to so-and-so's party and you didn't come to mine. So I, I, I just have to, you know, send my, send my best wishes. But I was at Middleburg High School graduation. Now, back in the day, I mean, I graduated Ed White High School, 1981. Uh, we were civilized back then. We had our graduation ceremonies uh, at the Greater Jacksonville Coliseum. 
uh, the Jacksonville Veterans Memorial Coliseum is what it was called back then. We, we were up in it. Now, they have graduations now outside in football stadiums. Y'all understand this? And so I was there, and they told all these people to hold it, and I was sitting next to some people, and they looked pretty normal. Uh, I didn't know what was coming. I wasn't prepared for what was coming. They already been told, hold all your applause. But here comes Junior, little round-faced Junior. And I know his name was Junior because they were screaming Junior. Well, I don't really know what his name is. I know what they called him. See, because you can be called Junior without, but without being named Junior. We, we know that, right, Junior? <laughs> we, we understand that can happen. So they're sitting there normal. Here come little round, I mean, big old round face. I got a round face. If I tell you, you got a round face, you got a round, big old round face. So-and-so, whatever his name. These two people went from normal, they went to full-blown redneck, y'all. I mean, it happened in a snap. It happened in a snap. She pulled out a cowbell from her purse. Junior! Woo! And the daddy, that's my boy! That's my boy! Junior! Ding and ding and ding and ding. And I'm thinking, y'all were just over here being normal a second ago. I didn't know it was in your personality to be shouting, screaming, hollering, cowbell. But they sure were. I told you it's cross cultural. I sat there and I watched. Now, 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 fortunately, they wasn't sitting next to me because if you thought that cowbell was loud, you don't even know what happened when these 40 people stood up. When Taquan Jenkins walked across the aisle. Taquan is not Hispanic. You understand me? Taquan Jenkins was of the melanin flavor. Amen. He was full, he was full melanin. Uh, Taquan, when Taquan slid, because Taquan wasn't walking, Taquan was slide. Taquan. He had that lean. Taquan slid across that floor. I don't know how all 40 of these people related to him, but what? A whole section of that crowd stood up and started, yeah, woo, yeah, and just off the chain hollering the loudest. And listen, if you haven't ever heard loud female high-pitched screaming for Taekwon, you don't want that in your eardrum. But I, but I realized then that people will celebrate, hear me, people will celebrate what they value. People will get excited for what they value. The same group of people that, that act like they can't get excited for God jump up and down when their football team wins. The same group of people that can't get excited uh, for God and celebrate God in the Lord's church, they get excited when they get a pay raise. I want to tell you something. You better learn how to lift something up to God. You better learn how to lift your voice up to God. I know some people say, well, I'm just not into music, pastor. I'm just not a singer. Listen, we have corporate praise and worship to give you an opportunity 
to lift up your voice to God. We give you an opportunity to do what God has commanded you to do. And some people stare at the floor. And they use as an excuse, that's not who I am. It's not my personality. Listen, it doesn't matter if it's your personality or not. We are celebrating the great Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We are exalting. We are lifting up our voice. He's walking across the stage. And he's better than Junior. And he's better than Taekwon. And he's better than me. And he's better than all of us. And we need to lift up our voice to him. Hebrews 13, 15 gives us an apt description for what praise is. The Bible says, by him being Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I've told you before, I'm going to keep telling you again. You need to hear these things over and over and get them in your spirit. You need to get a thank you, Jesus, spirit on you. I, so many people, their defaults, just when, your default is when you say something just to say it. When you don't really think about it, it's, it's just a reflex thing. Somebody could tell you something and you're like, oh, God, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't, don't, don't say that. That's, that's not polite. That's not polite to the high king. That's not polite to the holy God. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And especially don't, don't be, uh, you know, some fake California. All these people living in North Florida acting like nasally talking, dragging out. He's so cute. <laughs> cute has one syllable. It's four letters. You can't. Cute. Oh, my God. That has three letters. That's one syllable. Oh, he, he's so nice. Uh, I was talking to a lady the other day trying to get my chair fixed. She said, well, we normally provide that service. I'm like, okay, you don't live in a valley in California. You need to talk out of your throat, not out of your nasal cavity. Oh, my God. Let me provide that service. Uh, get all that expression speech out of your voice and find it. Condition yourself, do it so much that when your mouth comes open to say something from reflex, it will just be, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I wish we had more. I, I came up in an all-black church. I told y'all, Bishop said it was a predominantly black church. Well, nobody there white but me and White Wendy, and y'all know why White Wendy was there. Because she was dating Black Henry. It is what it is. White Wendy got three children now. She's a single mother. Pray for her. But uh, true story. Um, where do we go with that? Oh, so I'm in this whole, I'm in this all black church. I'm the only white person in the whole room. Uh, and <coughs> but there was a whole bunch of people. I mean, and 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 I was in, I was in, I was getting names that that I never ne never been. Uh, Trisandria. Trisandria was one of the biggest thank you Jesus people I'd ever met. Trisandria would just be overcome. Uh, there was there was a, a bunch of bunch of teens. Truella, same kind of same kind of sister, uh, overcome. Uh, just at any time in the service, she might just go thank you Jesus, and I'm not just talking about hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm talking about bowed over. Thank you, Jesus. I'm talking, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, God. Thank you. Anybody ever been around somebody with a real thank you spirit? We need more of that. 
We need more of a thank you, Jesus spirit. We need people who are so deep in realization that he's been better to us than we've been to him, that they just cry out all the time. Listen, when you can't say anything else, say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to practice it in the mirror. I want you to make your mouth say it because the Bible says that's how we give God praise, by our lips continually giving thanks to his name. You ought to say thank you, God, every time you open your eyes. You ought to say thank you, God, when you turn that key and your key starts because I promise you, you turn that key and it don't start, you're going to kick the dirt. Psalm 22.3 says God inhabits the praises of his people. If you want Jesus to show up and be triumphant in your life, you got to lift up your voice and praise him. I wonder, what type of preparation did you make coming into this place today? Some of y'all got up and y'all prayed. Some of y'all prayed and asked God to be glorified in our service. I know you did. Some of y'all prayed for your pastor. Some, some of y'all prayed that, that, that you would have a real encounter with God, but the reality is most people just came. And I'm glad that you came. I'm glad that you showed up, but if you want, you showing up is good. God showing up for you is a whole different level. You showing up is you doing your part, but letting God show up in you, this, 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 is, this is beyond church. This church is here. God being in you is here. Church is here. God showing up and you experiencing him is on a whole different Level, the proper preparation to get him to show up is to lay something down. That's total surrender of your life to him. The proper preparation to get him to show up is, is, is to cut something down, to go to work, to get involved. The proper preparation for him to show up is to lift up your voice in praise. There's a, there's a fourth thing they did, and I'm done. The fourth thing they did is they told everybody who Jesus was. Get your bold witness on, church. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8 that we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us to be witnesses unto him, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to be bold witnesses. I want you to get your bold witness on, not your arrogant witness on, not your I'm better than you witness on, not your condemning witness on, not your negative witness on, but your I love Jesus everywhere I go on. They told him. And people said, who is this? In Matthew 21, our text in verse 10 says, And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. They didn't hesitate. Who is this? Most, you remember, remember what Peter did? Remember what Peter did? Just a few days later, when they said, Do you know him? Ain't he, ain't he your oil? Mm, I don't know him. Don't know him at all. No, these people knew who he was. And when they were asked, they said it plainly. This is Jesus. And he is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. He's the promised one. They told the world who their king was. And we need to be doing the same thing today. We're talking more about COVID-19 and coronavirus than we're talking about Jesus. We, we, we think that this virus... Listen, I already told you all this, and, and, and if I get it and I die from it, don't be faded by it. Don't be, don't, don't be twisted by it because the statistics prove that of all the people who get this, if you are under 70 years old and in reasonable health, 99% of the people self-resolve. It's just a flu. They shake it off. But this thing that's killing less than 1% of healthy people, 
The whole world is talking about it right now. We can't even buy toilet paper nowhere because of this. We're talking more about the lack of toilet paper than we are talking about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We're talking more about what's going on with this virus than we are about Jesus Christ. We need to be telling everybody everywhere we go that Jesus is God and he came to save the world. We need to make sure that we're ready for him to show up. So let me close by asking you this. Have you laid down your life for the Lord? Are you truly saved? I'm not asking you, have you walked an aisle and prayed a prayer that didn't really change you? The Bible says the proof of being saved is you're a new person. That old things pass away and all things become new. Have you been changed on the inside because you laid your life down from the Lord? Let me ask you, are you willingly working for the Lord? If you're not working for the Lord, get involved in ministry. You can get involved in, in, in some of y'all can sing. Y'all ought to be up here singing. Some of y'all can play instruments. Y'all, I, I already told the choir, I want an A and a B choir. I don't want the same people to have to minister all the time. I want A and B musicians. I mean, it, 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 it's just wild right now. If we had one musician not show up today. Y'all, y'all know our musicians can't social distance on Sunday. You got to be here beating on those drums. You got you got to be here playing on these keys. You got to be here. Uh, we, we you need to get involved. You can get involved in our youth. You can get involved in our nursery. You can get involved in our children's ministry. You can get involved. Do something for the Lord. Thirdly, are you lifting up your voice? If you only sing songs to God in this building, you're not lifting up your voice continually. You ought to sing songs to God in your car. You ought to sing songs to God in your bedroom. You ought to sing songs to God everywhere you go. The great thing about this world that we live in today is no matter what kind of beat you flavor and no matter what what, what kind of music you favor, you can find something that glorifies God in your genre. No matter matter how hard you want it, no no matter where you are, you can find something from banjo twanging to, to, to bass dropping. You can find music that allows you to sing of the goodness of the Lord. I want you to start lifting your voice up to God. He'll show up for you. He'll show up for you. Last thing, are you telling the world who Jesus is? Are you telling the world why you have confidence, why you have peace? Are you telling the world that it's not just good vibes? I'm so tired of social media and people people put out something asking for prayer asking for prayer for somebody going through uh, a surgery, and then, then their atheist friends and their non-Christian friends, uh, they, they can't say, I'm praying for you. Or sometimes folk, you know, social media, lazy folk just throw up an emoji. They just throw up praying hands or something. Other people just say praying. Uh, but then you get these people, these special, these special kind of crazy, that say, sending good vibes your way. I'm like, do you have a fiber optic network that I don't know nothing about? You got, you got some type of radio frequency where you got vibes that you can send all the way down my street, through my closed locked door, past my security system, beyond my dogs and my children, to get right into my heart and to soothe me with your sending positive thoughts your way. That's all lies and foolishness. That's just them trying to believe that they can do what we can do. What can we do? We can pray. And I'm going to tell you this. God can get down your street. God can get past your locked door and right into your spirit. Are you telling the world who Jesus is? Next Sunday's Easter. And I understand it. And it doesn't even matter. And I've talked to some people this week, 
after Governor DeSantis said that churches are now essential services because the mayor of Jacksonville has said no church meetings beyond 10 people. We were doing it anyway, willing to go to jail. I already told you all the great preachers went to jail. Jesus went to jail. Paul went to jail. Silas went to jail. Peter went to jail. Dr. King went to jail. I was ready to go to jail. I was was telling Stacy this week, uh, I already been to jail several times. Uh, I'd like to go to jail for righteousness, though, if I ever have to go back. Lenny Curry had his task force out. The mayor had his task force out trying to check, see who, who was having church services and, and, and trying to shut them down. But now that Governor DeSantis has listed church as essential, uh, because it is for some of us. I had somebody tell me, look, don't have your church service this week, Scott. Uh, you, you don't have to have it. I said, you don't know me. You don't know me. I need, I need my time. With the Lord, I need to be in the presence of God. He said, "Where two or three are gathered in His name, I, I need I need to be with the people of God. I need I need to be in the corporate anointing of 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 God." Uh, so many so many of these churches. I called them this week. I said, "Well, now that the governor said you can have church, are you going to have church?" And everyone I talked to said, "No, I just don't think it'd be wise still yet. We're going to you know wait and see." Seven days from now is going to be Easter Sunday. Now, I've said it for years. For the real Christian, every day is Resurrection Day. But this is a time where around the world, saved people bring unsaved people to church because it's culturally acceptable. And I want you to take this time this week. I want you to do these four things, and I want you to make sure you do this fourth thing. I want you to go tell everybody, Jesus Christ is your hope. And I want you to be here for Easter service on Sunday. We are going to shout for God on Easter. We are going to celebrate resurrection on Easter. And I want you to make sure that you tell somebody that your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I want us to be the people of God that lift up the name of God and tell the whole world, Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your help. Jesus is the only way. Pray with me, God. Thank you for your word. Help us, God to honor you by keeping your word. Help us, God, to obey you by doing what you've called us to do. You told us in your book that you would bless us for our doing. Let us get on with it, God. Let us get on with it. Let us us talk about your goodness more than we talk about this virus. Let us talk about your goodness more than we talk about sports and jobs and money and politics and hobbies. Let us talk about how great you are and let us tell the whole world who you are. Let us tell the whole world that your name is above every name. That your name is Jesus. And that you are our hope. We love you, God. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.